Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of A Godzillion and One. We're just imagining and experiencing about a godzillion different ways for us to connect with each other and with God in this universe of His. And Tori, I would say today is one of those conversations that um, just, it's so, I think I even said the word thick, it's so thick with meaning in there for anyone. And and I almost, you know, I I almost hesitate to say this is a world famous artist because then people <laughs> will go, oh, I don't go to art museums or I don't look at. The-. He does such a such a good job of helping each of us to sort of understand why this is important to us. And uh, I just we could have talked for a long time to uh, Mako Fujimura, who is an American artist, uh, but is classically trained in in traditional Japanese painting. I think he was maybe the first non-Japanese citizen to be accepted into this prestigious doctorate program. Uh, an uh, outspoken uh, Christ follower in an industry, would we call it an industry, in an, and certainly in an area of work that isn't always receptive to such uh, statements of belief. Yeah, and he even talked about that. And his friend Marty, um, they uh, they were they both kind of had that feeling of it's. There are certain industries that it's a little bit more difficult to be open with your faith just based off of the culture you're in, and so that's part of how Mako and Marty became yeah. friends is that they got to talk about these experiences together. And well, I'm going to go ahead and say just as a bucket list, I've got a n- new goal is that I want to, next time I'm in New York, I want to sit down and just maybe have a cup of coffee with Mako and Marty. Uh, So that's just going to be a goal of mine. Um, And And you guys will have to keep listening to find out who Marty is. Yeah. uh, I'm just going to say, as far as filmmakers go, pretty recognizable name. That's the hint. Um, (laughs) And he served as a consultant on one of marty's movies mm-hmm. um and so yeah we actually kind of made a joke about yeah i i would never think to call someone i would i don't get to call him marty um um, <laughs> um but uh did you feel like you and mako were kindred spirits because i was listening in the background and just kind of giggling to myself and i found myself smiling multiple times of just he wouldn't know this, but there were things he was saying in this interview that were almost verbatim to to things you've written, um, especially in the Genius of One, your book. Of It's almost like you guys were talking about the same chapter without meaning to. It was really cool. Yeah. we Well, we talked about that later, and he said, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit, man. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's how, that's how he works. And yes, to answer your question, yes. Um, because, you know, you go into these things and I'm just curious and a, I just want to be a student of, of someone. Uh, N.T. Wright in the foreword to, to uh, Mako's latest book, um, and, and all that will be in the show notes, but in his latest book, he wrote this most just beautiful foreword. But he said, this is an artist who can actually explain how he does his art, which is so fascinating to me. And I was wanting to be really I just wanted to keep learning. How does he do this? And what about this? And what about this? But then along the way, you're right. He starts just talking about life mm-hmm. and and mission and our calling as Christ followers. And he just was weaving all sorts of stuff in there. Zero sum game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you hold an infant and and what is it that is going on in your heart? Those are all things that we talked about. The fact that he, he was referring to the body of Christ as a masterpiece. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, all of that. And you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I, I did felt not like prep was... him. I did not, I did not say read the well, book beforehand. This was all just spontaneous and uh, it was well, so cool. It's just really good. And even if you're, even if you're listening and you're going, Ooh, I don't know, is this going to get into technical aspects of art for about a minute? It does that. But when you, when you then listen to what he is saying and the story behind that, I I was so moved. There were times in there that it was, oh, oh, when he was describing this and and this Japanese 
uh, technique of restoring towards the end he he uh, restoring broken pottery and and i i'm just going to tell you it is it is a picture of the kingdom of god that that's all i'm going to say on that um but yeah, i was i was tearing up a little bit if you want me to be honest i was like i'm ready to go like he's inspiring me i'm ready to get after something in the world and oh it's 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 encouraging um it's healing um if you haven't experienced his art before you will at the very least be curious now to go hmm i need to i need to see some of what he's talking about mm-hmm. uh and and because it's an act of worship for him and when you hear him describe that you'll 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 sense it when you, when you look at some of his stuff but this is a this is one of those artists i think he's one of the few Christian artists and the outspoken Christ followers who is a, a, a an artist who gets reviewed in the New York Times. Um, and so I, I just love the fact that he is bridging the gap between various uh, worlds and, and various sort of populations. And he is he's he's an important person in the kingdom. And I think after just listening to this podcast, you'll understand why. Yeah. And I think even from the beginning, he's he's been that bridge builder. He's been bilingual. He even talks about that of living in different cultures, whether it's Japan or in the States, of it's part of his calling is he feels like he doesn't want to be in one one spot. He kind of wants to help connect people through different mediums. Yeah. And so yeah. his art obviously does that, but I think this conversation does that as well. Yeah. Yeah. If if uh, I was saying recently to the folks at our church that uh, one of the biggest mistakes we can make about when we think about God is in thinking too small. Mako Fujimura will help you to think much larger about God and what he's up to in creation. And honestly, what we get to join him in what he's still up to in creation. So uh, this is one of those, uh, this is one of those podcasts where I think you will, you will be surprised at the different places where it will connect to your heart and to your head and to the kingdom, because that's what it was for me. So let's just jump in now to my conversation with Mako Fujimura. Okay, Mako, again, just thank you so much for joining us. And I I can only imagine that many of our listeners know exactly who you are, have their own list of questions, but I'm going to guess there's also some folks who haven't yet um, discovered you and your art. And, and so can we just start there by you telling us a little bit about you and your background and, and we'll just go from there. Thanks, uh, Greg, for having me. I am Mako Fujimura. Uh, my full name uh, is used to uh, designate my art, uh, Makoto Fujimura, and, and also my books. But, uh, you know, everything I do comes straight out of my studio. Um, and I uh, work in contemporary art, but I use a combination of 17th century Japanese uh, materials and uh, technique called Nihonga. Uh, Nihonga is Japanese style paintings, but applied to contemporary uh, art. So my, my paintings are very large. Um, I'm having a exhibit uh, even this month in New York City at High Line 9 Gallery. And um, that uh, exhibit in- includes a painting that is seven feet by seven feet. So you can, you can kind of guess the size. And I'm also interested in what um, art does in society and in communities and, and how that may um, directly impact leadership, economy, <laughs> um, understanding uh, of ourselves, education. So um, I, I, I have written books, several books. Uh, one, is, one is called Culture Care. Uh, advocating for this approach to culture that is uh, hopefully an antidote to culture wars, um, scarcity mindset. And um, I, my new book is called Art Plus Faith, a Theology of Making out of Yale Press this year. Yeah, and and just such an important book. I want to go back to that. So I've already got questions. Let's just... Uh, so th- this n- next exhibit is at a studio called Highline 9. Is that 
on the High Line? Is that in that that's, area? That's correct. It's part oh. of the Hudson Yards, you know, this yes. extravagant uh, set, sets of buildings. And High Line 9 is located directly below High Line uh, Walk, this beautiful urban design. Um, I, I think that, and I don't want to, I don't want to get on a, just too much of a tangent, but I think that is actually a reflection of something that you talk about in your work that I want to get to in just a minute, yeah. this idea of redeeming spaces that, mm-hmm. and, and repairing spaces. But let's go back just a minute. So, you know, um, well, you grew, tell us where you grew up. And I know you went to, I know you went to undergrad at Bucknell uh-huh. and then eventually find your way to the Tokyo University of Arts. Can you just trace that line yes. for us, how you got there? <laughs> Yeah, uh, very interesting journey being um, born in Boston. My father is a renowned research scientist, uh, passed away about four years ago, but I was born in Boston when he was doing his uh, postdoc work with Noam Chomsky uh, at MIT. And then we went to Sweden where he uh, was doing some research there. Uh, I was very small, uh, two, three, so, but my first visual memory is, is, is in Sweden. And then, then we went to Japan, uh, where I went to kindergarten, uh, to uh, grade school. And then we came back to the United States, uh, where he, he was recruited by Bell Labs, the 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 most um, um, amazing, just a historic scientist, yeah. um, dedicated to pure research in, in in during during the 70s. That was the greatest uh, research facility in the world. Uh, so I grew up uh, under um, um, all, all these influences, and then I went to Bucknell and. Uh, became an artist. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm fascinated. So you yeah. grow up literally in this milieu of science. I mean, geniuses yes. really. Yes. And yeah. you choose the path of art. I mean, that, I believe that was your degree at Bucknell. And then of course, moving to Tokyo uh, University of Arts, How, where did the love for art come? Yeah. So I actually started in the sciences and ended up with a double degree with animal behavior and, and, and art. <laughs> okay. All right. And, uh, so such, basically such you can incredible. do anything is what you're telling us. Well, exactly. And, and like no education allows for, in, you know, integration of discipline. So I, I really truly benefited from that. And I'm, also great for for this discipline to write because I I grew up having grown up in multiple cultures, I I couldn't write in any language. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, I still can't. But you know, I I, I find myself really, um, you know, ha- ha- having having went through a liberal arts education, I I, I had to write, and that. That has served me well over the years to think through what I'm doing. And, uh, um, my primary, uh, impetus is uh, out of the studio. I, I create, I make. That's, that's why I feel this, this most sacred call and presence of God in the midst of creativity, um, and imagination. And, and then I try to write about it, communicate that. Okay, so let's talk just for a second about this call. You end up pursuing a, a you were in a doctorate program in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But is it fair to say, is that where your, is that where your faith began to, um, I don't want to use the word awaken, but what, is that where it began to develop? T- talk to us a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah, so I, I call my conversion inversion. <laughs> okay. And um, it, turns out that even though my family, uh, obviously Japanese uh, descent, had multiple generations of Christian leaders uh, on my mother's side. I, I did not know this. Um, when I became an elder at Redeemer uh, with Tim Keller's church mm-hmm. in New York City, I told my mother and, and she said, oh, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean, mom? And so she said, you have a great uncle who is a Presbyterian evangelist in Japan. Oh, and, wow. I, I, and, and, and um, you know, her parents were kind of these underground church leaders um, 
in a movement called Mukyokai. Uh, it was a uh, discipleship movement. But um, I said, you never told me that, Mom. And she yeah. said, well, you never asked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so so this is where you begin to to really sense your faith. And is it is it here that... Um, I'm curious. I'm I'm trying to connect dots. So when mm-hmm. you say that your your family was a part of an underground movement, yeah, uh, in Japan, and that would have been in what years? So post war um, underground, okay. meaning that it was um, parachurch, uh, sure, you sure. know, and 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 some somewhat, uh, you know, the Japanese Christians always had this tenuous relationship with the public and the government and. Uh, Japanese Christianity has uh, has always had its roots in the hidden church, and and so, which is so beautiful. And I'm and maybe I'm connecting a dot that isn't. This isn't the place to connect it, but movie nerd alert here: the fact yeah. that you were that you were the consultant for uh, mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese's movie Silence. Mm-hmm. Yes. I am. I'm, I'm connecting a dot. Here. I mean, there's there's a there's a a heritage that you have, yeah, you know, and so when you mention the persecution in feudal times, and if you haven't read Endo's yeah. novel or or seen this movie, uh, yeah. first of all, how did you become the consultant for that movie? <laughs> yeah, so that came about because of my research on uh, 17th century culture okay. of Japan, and I'm kind of the expert on that time um, and this lineage program that I was part of in Tokyo uh, has has a direct lineage connection to up to 15th century Japan uh, of um, very much Japanese way of painting. And and so I went to Japan Japan with a, a Japanese governmental scholarship as an American to study this um, history and apply them to my work, uh, contemporary works. And so ended up spending six and a half years in Japan, uh, having direct access to all of the resources, including museums and temples and, 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 and whatever I wanted to explore. And that's, that's when I discovered uh, Endo's work. Um, principally, it was, it was, I knew about Endo before, but I didn't really think about the impact that he had in Japanese culture. And around the same time, you know, I was there uh, up to uh, early 90s, but um, around the same time, Martin Scorsese was in Japan uh, filming with Akira Kurosawa, uh, one of his last um, great films, The Dream. Um, and he played Vincent Van Gogh in, in this film, <laughs> and and he had just been uh, through the culture wars. Uh, he was a poster child of culture wars uh, co- uh, controversy with the Last Temptation film, and and it was at that time that uh, Archbishop Mo- Moore, uh, Episcopal Archbishop of New York, gave him. Shusaku uh, and those silence to read. Uh, he's, he said, "You know, Marty, I, I think you're searching spiritually, and this is the book to do it with." <laughs> and he read silence on the way to Japan, and um, he, he landed and he called his um, uh, office and said, uh, "We have to secure the rights to this." Um, and and from that moment on, he had, uh, you know, silence had been his. Pet project. Uh, it was a very difficult film, as you can imagine, to produce in Hollywood. Nobody wanted to do it, right. and uh, it took him twenty some years to do it. Um, I got involved because of a friend of mine who was trying to help him uh, fundraise for this film because of the difficulties um, to do it in a typical studio path. Uh, so um, he he asked me if I would be willing to write a book because of my expertise in 17th century Japanese culture um, to contextualize, especially for Protestants, you know, what, what this film may mean. And I turned them down three times uh, because I really? just didn't want for so many reasons to do this. Um, I, I knew it would be a difficult film and also a traumatic film. Uh, and, and story for me, uh, knowing what silence is all about. 
Um, and, and I just intuited that there was a personal cost, uh, mm. attached to this. I didn't know what that meant, but I, I just, uh, didn't feel that I was ready for it. And, uh, and both time he said, well, would you like to talk to Marty about it? <laughs> and I said, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> I'll talk to Marty about this. And, and, you know, he invited me for 15 minutes of conversation and it turned out to be, 40 minutes, uh, because we had so much to share about being parents in, in New York City, having raised our children in, in, um, in various schools that we, we, there were overlaps and, uh, he found a soldier in, uh, in me. So we, we have, um, you know, corresponded since, since that time and, and silence was the, the definitive uh, statement I would say about his faith and and through filming of this film, which was very difficult um, he i I think uh, say he came through uh, the other side of that project with, with um, a faith that is uh, much stronger and um, you know he acknowledged uh, work of God uh, in a sense through through this project well it's it's an extraordinary book an extraordinary movie uh and it does come back to suffering it, it doesn't surprise me that that you were experiencing that but i want us to shift back to your art as much as i'd love to keep talking about uh <laughs> martin scorsese yeah. and maybe that's a life goal for me now that i'm thinking that i could eventually <laughs> call him marty because that just yes. sounds so cool to say that but um but let your work has a redemptive quality to it and there's just there's so many different things that we could talk about, but it, part of it is taking tragedy, taking yeah. unexpected life circumstances. And mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking, I mean, we could go a bunch of directions, but I'm thinking even of your experiences as a New Yorker reaching all the way back to 9-11. But there's a, there's a redemptive quality to your art. And I'd love for you to just tell us how you, how, how you felt, how you developed that process. Yeah, thank you. I always felt that art, was very much a spiritual uh, process of purgation, <laughs> you know, that, that it, it is, it's through art that, uh, and, and even before I was cognizant of Christ's work, uh, you know, God's grace in my life, I, I recognize that, you know, artists tend to have a deeper connection with, uh, let's say, realm of spirituality, but certainly uh, humanity and is willing to sacrifice great a great deal for that um and and i i felt art as a calling had um a, a definitive mark on, upon me and i i i couldn't deny that even as an undergraduate um and uh by the way i told my father this and he said well being an artist is what I wanted to become. So, really? <laughs> so I'm happy that you're, you're going to try. How about uh, which that? Is, which is such a great, you know, uh, my, my art, therefore, I, I select materials that has qualities that speak to uh, the redemptive and certainly sancti sanctifying elements. Um, so, so minerals uh, like malachite and azurite are traditionally pulverized to create these uh, pigments that you mix by hand and you create by hand. So, it's it's a I call it a slow art, and um, it, it it because it is slower. Uh, you're painting on paper or silk. Uh, more recently on canvas um, modified technique but uh, it, 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 it slows you down um, by pulverizing minerals um, and, and most of that work is done by uh, generations of artisans in Japan that, that serve artists like me and their extraordinary um, you know community of people making paper and pulverizing uh, these minerals and, and doing it in a way that is particularized to your expression. So, so it is a ecosystem uh, of support, uh, what I call culture care. And, 
And so through that, my expression come out, but my expression is particularly toward the uh, 21st century uh, contemporary old audience. So, so I don't necessarily fit in any category, um, which makes my journey doubly interesting. Um, but it is, it is by itself, the process itself is emblematic of um, going through suffering and then finding redemption through being polarized. Um, and I'm a 9-11 survivor. I live three blocks away and raise my children uh, after that as ground zero children. And so my experience of going through that um, trauma was it's reflected in my art um, in, in a way that I paint and the layers and layers of I have a painting in my current show called Water Flames. And Water Flames are a series of paintings I began after 9-11 to try to create an image of flames uh, with water. So it's kind of paradoxical, but you're using um, water-based paint to create layers and layers, over 100 layers of flames, uh, painting it over and over until the flames become uh, not destructive flames, but sanctifying flames. Hmm. So the, the visually, what you're looking at is, uh, you know, something that is inviting uh, for you to walk through. And there's gold on the other side, or there's light on the other side, and and that's what I'm trying to do with all of my work is 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 try to get through the fears and anxieties of our time, going through particular uh, trauma. But um, addressing that uh, in, in a way that requires faith, uh, requires asking deeper questions. Um, and um, so, so my, my art directly deals with uh, these issues. And I, I try to be honest uh, about both, both the uh, suffering um, and the fears and anxieties of, of, of what that entails. But then um, hopefully my, my work also gives redemptive hope. Well, there's, again, so your, your descriptions are so thick with meaning that I've, I've got to go back and just see, I mean, tell you what I'm hearing. First of all, there's a collaborative aspect to this. Uh, if you're working with artisans and really a legacy of how this has been created, for centuries that is just beautiful. And I, I happen to think that reflects the the beauty and the plan of how God wants us to work together. I, yes. I hear that in the way you're describing this process. Is that, is, am I tracking that's, with that's you? That's absolutely correct. And, you know, I think in a proper ecosystem, you know, we, we treat culture like a battle zone, uh, especially in America. And, but, Culture is an ecosystem to uh, steward and to tend to. It's a garden to take care of, and um, it, it, it needs to be. It is abundant, and it, it, you know it has potential to be abundant. But uh, it's hard work, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's generations of work um, invested in uh, so uh, creating a culture that is beautiful. Well, when you say hard work, the other thing that just just stands out is the the time that this takes and of course this is why you know i know what what is it that uh david brooks of the uh of the, of the new york times how did he say it that your work is like a small rebellion against the quickening of time what a great description yeah. <laughs> and and uh mako i don't you know i don't want to try to wax too eloquent here but when i hear you talk i immediately think of the two types of the two words in the New Testament for time, you know, chronos, and it's those this tick, 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 tick of yeah, time, yeah. and kairos, which is this season of time, yes. this, this moment when God says, yes, this is the moment. And I feel like, this is me, but I feel like what you are describing and what I see when I look at your work is, it is kairos time. It is that almost glimpse through the other side of when time really isn't going to be what we just are so attached to right now. And and that's one of the ways I experience your art. Well, absolutely. I, I actually have a painting called Silence Kairos. Ah, well, there you go. It's a painting that 
um, before I met uh, Hejun, my bride, um, she stood in front of it and she felt this was a portal um, that she can walk right into. But that's kind of what I am trying to invoke as well for me, myself, as I'm creating. I, I want the work to speak to me, uh, to open up, you know, possible um, path or new creation, which, which we, we all believe is, you know, in Christ, we're all a new creation. And so that's why I am, I want so much for all that we do, right? Uh, it, to be a part, you know, to be part of a making into new creation. Okay. So when, um, when N.T. Wright, who wrote such a beautiful forward to your book. Yes. And, and by yes. the way, folks who are listening, we're going to put both of these books in and other, uh, ways to, to just connect with, with Mako's work here in our show notes. But when he, he, th there was something he said, I think it was in the foreword where he said that you're one of those rare artists who can explain actually what they're doing. And of course we're hearing you do that, but I'm going to tap into something now and see if you can help us in another way. What about the person, let's say just anyone who maybe they're so bound by Kronos time right now that they don't know how even to start to appreciate art. And, and when what they're looking for in art is, you know, something they can understand, something that is just, you know, in the, in a, and, and there's very beautiful things that I can look at and understand, but would you help us now? How, how do you, how, if someone is starting really from the beginning, Okay, what should I try, and how this, how can this actually be a part of my, my spiritual journey? What, what would you say to them? You know, my book is trying to help open up those, at least have a language for it, right? And I, I always say to people that um, all of us are created to be creative. Um, we are creatures of the imagination, and. You know, before you, you, you got to this lecture hall or this church, um, you know, um, you got in your car and you drove here. Did you use your imagination to create, um, worry <laughs> that you know is, is not real? You know, did you use your imagination to expand, um, you know, whatever it is that you're, you're, you're dealing with right now? And, and if so, where does that power to imagine, to even worry, right? So, so if we're not creating, we're, we're only consuming. If, if we're not, um, you know, generatively creating with love, we will shrink into our anxieties and fear, but we will still use our imagination. <laughs> and imagination right. has power over us, our actions, everything that we do that day is predicated on what we, how we see ourselves and how we see the world moving forward. So that example, I don't, if you, you know, if you don't have that <laughs> experience, <laughs> then, you know, maybe I, I can't help, but, but it, since everybody does, so what is it that we're supposed to do at that point? Well, I, a friend of mine says, you know, pay attention to what you pay attention to. You watch a, uh, a sunset. You 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 go to fireworks, and and you respond with your heart rather than trying to identify. Oh, that's this, and we can move on. You kind of pause, and you it feels like you're wasting your time in a sense because you're pausing, and that's when you know Kairos time breaks in. When, when, when you're infused with love and you, you are fully, your senses are fully alive and engaged with what's happening in front of you, the beauty that is, you know, flowing into our senses, whether it be music, art, theater. Uh, but, but those are the things that we need. So, so all of us in that sense understand this and, and have experienced this in, in some way. Um, we, it's just that our culture has right, created right, these false binaries right. or everywhere to say, well, it's either this or that. Um, it, it assumes a limited resource environment, zero sum game. Again, use our imagination to push us back 
into love because it is love that is allowing us to create our businesses, to, to serve, you know, our communities in the first place. Those are the enduring things anyways. So, you know, why, why aren't we doing more of that? And, and that, that's, that's the battle that we're in is that there's, there's a constant shrinking of, of, of our experiences to a marketable reality. And artists are the ones, right? Poets and artists, uh, they're, they're singing a tune that is a little different and, and allows us to, uh, truly listen, uh, open our eyes and, and fully, fully, you know, embrace, uh, a reality that we know is there. Mm, that's fantastic. The word, the, the word Sabbath just keeps rising to the surface in my mind as you're saying this. These, we were created to create, but we were also created to rest and to take in and it, it's all connected. You can't do one without the other. You need both. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. just, that's just so good. Um, so, so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, art plus faith in, in particular. I know these topics are coming up in the book and, and people can, can learn more of this and to go a little bit further. But, um, this, this idea of how the undeniable voice speaks to your art, uh, say a little bit about that. Right. I always felt that this force was gushing through me when I painted it. And I can remember as early as when I was in Sweden, you know, three or two even. And, and, and some, you know, and, and it, I thought everybody had this experience, right? Until <laughs> I went to middle school and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, these, these guys that I'm playing soccer with doesn't see the beauty of wind blowing over a grass you know like, yeah. if i talk about that you know they're like look at me really really strange you know and <laughs> and so i stopped you know talking about it until in my college years i realized no no that's that's the most important thing you know i i, I need to really take care of that and i'm responsible for this experience i didn't know what to call this experience i i i realized it was it was from um, you know, not from myself, but it came from somewhere else, um, transcendent. And I, I, I struggled to even understand that myself. But eventually, when I began to understand the voice of Christ through the Gospels, I um, and through literature, actually, I, 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 you know, it was like almost like a one-to-one match. You know, Christ's voice was identical to the, this experience that I was having in the studio, and so it was, it was like obvious to me that that this is the voice of the resurrection. This this was a voice, uh, you know, that allowed me to understand myself fully, to be able to love sacrificially to to uh open up a new path for uh kind of a communal way of celebrating this and um so that became uh, uh so much larger than i i've expected yeah, if, but i've always felt that uh, this extravagance um uh, you know art is a gift um, and you, you can create things that uh you know live in the transactional reality but the more, you know, it seems that you focus on that side, the less you have of art as a gift to the world. And I, I always felt that, you know, what I was experiencing in the studio was, was a true gift from God. Then, and that, you know, flow can uh, bless the world in, in a certain way that is mysterious and powerful and I can't contain it anyways. Um, so, um, I, I, I felt that it was, it was important now to talk about it, um, mm-hmm. and to address these connections as not just for me in the studio, but for communities who, who are the bride of Christ. Uh, they're the expressions of God's art masterpiece, um, that has yes. been given to us to celebrate together. And by doing that, we bring in the new creation. I mean, yes. that is a remarkable promise. And, and I, you know, I am so um, honored to um, journey with somebody like Tom Wright, uh, and D. Wright, who, yes, wrote a 
stunning forward. I I have my artist friends read that um, and they they weep mm. because they've never been so affirmed um, yes. in, as as an artist and yes. follower of Christ. But but I would just say as a follower of Christ, and not every one of our listeners would would say that, but as a follower of Christ, I'm what I'm hearing you describe is it's an expression of worship. So when I when I pause, when I Sabbath, when I take in your work, I can I can start really from this point of this is an act of worship. This is something that you have been interacting with the spirit on and and all of a sudden it's got other layers for me. And um I, I think of okay, let's go back to the book. I think of when you talk about um uh fixing broken pipes and and broken pipe theology and and i think that in this the modernity of the 21st century and in this binary uh, it's either this or this and so, oh well this is a broken thing i've got to get in here versus what's the contrast you said sometimes it's not about ask why the pipes are there in the first place what is god up to what's going on I think of that when you're talking about your art and how it it takes me to places of mystery versus not you know a a modern here's the here's the solution in the next equation sort of an approach. There's nothing wrong with equations, but you t- you're taking me into the mystery and getting me to ask questions about well, what is God doing that isn't going to fit into my little three pound brain, right? I, yeah, I call that plumbing theology, and and I hear that often in sermons. And um, it, it's a typical sermon is is a, a fix it sermon. You know, here are some tools uh, to take home and uh, to fix your life, uh, fix your pipes. <laughs> and and we don't know how to do that on Sunday school, and we we go home, and sure enough, you know, it works well, right? You fix it, and you're like hallelujah. And very few times I I, I hear. Um, you know, a sermon talk about what's going through the pipes, and we are to live our lives, be you know, with uh, a new new wineskin of of joy that is. We are invited to partake in this invitation to co-create into the new creation, and we have truncated the gospel into kind of a fix-it mindset. You know, you 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 send, and here's the solution. But the gospel is much larger than that. It goes back to creation. Christ is the creator, you know, in Colossians. And and now Christ, the creator, is inviting us, you know, little creators. And everything we do matters, and especially the works of mercy and creating beauty. They're the, they're the uh, tasks that are counter to the Darwinian survival mode. So they're the, the kind of tasks that people, People say, "Oh, that's that's oh, that's a waste of time. Why would you take care of, uh, you know, a child um, who cannot, you know, walk or who who is struggling, um, or uh, take care of the elder elderly, or uh, why create beauty? God looks at the uh, the ordinary, mundane, but God looks at mercy and beauty as a way into new creation." There's something more that kicks in in, in our hearts and, and our, our communities can be a way to, uh, you know, amplify that voice. Well, I, as a pastor, uh, I absolutely am thrilled with the promise of eternity with God and and a redemption from an eternity without God. But my new life starts right now. It starts right now. It doesn't yes. start when I die. And so what you're describing is the kingdom has come near. The kingdom of God is near. It's and, and he doesn't need my help, but for some reason, he's invited me into this restoration project. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting paradox, right? The first thing that I talk about in the book is that God does not need us. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, right. You know, people are like, What? You know, like why why what are we doing then? You know, and, and I say, Well, think about it you know god didn't need anything uh, but god created out of pure love right so so everything that exists is is a reflection of god's gratuity and and it's this extravagant love <laughs> and yes. and so that's why when we hear music that you know captures what we're been feeding 
it kind of transcends the, even the words of that music that we tap into that reality and when we see something beautiful when we fall in love when when we hold a baby in our hands that there's some something happens to us that you know that that connects to 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 the greater realities but god wants us as as a child uh, you know uh, as a father would want to embrace a child so you know we don't we don't need to do anything to to earn that love christ paid for that you know our sins so so that we we can go to the father directly and be embraced but now in in that love in that extravagance we are transformed in into creatures of extravagance and mystery and mercy right so we can go we are free to go out we don't have to prove anything to god or the world but we are free to co-create in, in into uh, this new new reality but 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 that's the promise and and god is uh, already at work um, waiting for us to take that step, small steps of faith today, uh, instead of relying on our anxieties and creating, you know, uh, things that doesn't exist. We, we, we should really use our imagination and work to sanctify imagination so that those can be opportunities, uh, to, uh, create something new into the world. Okay, so now we've come, in my mind, full circle to the High Line. Okay, let me tell you why I'm thinking that. Because if you go to Lower Manhattan, you'll see just this beautiful open space, green space that has been created off of an old railway line that is just above the streets. And you're going, well, what are we doing? You walk up there, and it is just this most beautiful place where you you get to just walk along, and it's it's a park that is just elevated over the streets for for several blocks. And it's the re deeming of an old broken down you would have thought well that's a throwaway now we need to just tear that down so in my mind what i'm what i'm hearing is i'm wondering is this and i want to make sure i say it right the right way but the art of uh, kintsugi kintsugi yes so it seems to me that that's what you're describing here is that we are now even if we don't paint one brush stroke what you're asking us is Use your imagination to be a part of this, um, this repairing, uh, this, the, describe this process for us, because <laughs> yeah. I think, I think as Christ followers, this is what we can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Kintsugi, kin means gold and tsugi means to mend. Uh, tsugi also happens to mean, uh, uh, passing it on to next generations, uh, which is a beautiful overlap. Uh, and, uh, when, uh, Japanese lacquer traditional teaware breaks because of their many earthquakes, uh, they don't throw the pieces away, uh, and buy another one. Uh, they keep the pieces some, sometimes for several generations and pass down the fragments uh, and telling them the story that this bowl has been served to, to this person and, and so forth. And at some point, uh, it's given to a Japan lacquer master, Urushi master, and the person uses Japan lacquer um, to mend the bowl, not to hide the fractures, but to highlight that now with gold. Uh, so, so the resulting bowl is more valuable than the original bowl. Um, and, and when I learned about this, uh, in Japan, um, I was so moved, uh, by this metaphor of not fixing, right? To, like super gluing it back together as if it never happened. But this is mending to make new. And, when we think about post-resurrection appearance of Christ, he is, not, you know, he, he came back as a human being, which is amazing, mm -hmm. <laughs> a miracle, but he is a wounded human being. Still, the wounds are still with him, and, yes. and it is through his wounds that we are healed. Uh, so, so that is a perfect metaphor for new creation. So what if our churches become a place where we welcome the broken and we don't try to fix it in our plumbing theology, but we behold the fragments, sometimes for several generations. And then we mend slowly back into something 
more beautiful than it was before and pouring gold into uh, the fractures to accentuate the fractures. And it is as if to say, um, you know, your brokenness and my brokenness, they're, they're pieces that fit together somehow. Yeah. Like we're so glad that you have brought all of you to to this community because we didn't have the necessary piece to complete this, you know, mosaic of a beautiful tapestry that 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 will that will be so much better, right? Than than the original uh, had the fractures, traumas didn't happen oh my goodness that'll preach my friend that will preach uh that it, it is that this is what we are called to do so let me just um before we go through some just uh quick personal questions just so people can get one more glimpse uh at you and your life let me ask you one more big question which is really now what would you say uh to artists and musicians and who who are today just wondering where do they fit in in all of this? I mean, I, I'm I'm so blessed to be surrounded by artists and musicians here in our faith community. But what 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 would you say to them and 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 to creatives in general? When I speak to artists, I am so aware of the gap um, between where they are uh, and where they want want to be. Let's say. And the reality, uh, even to musicians who are leading worship in, in the church, you know, I often speak to them about how they are doing with their creativity and imagination, this creation, uh, new creation business, you know. And they often say, you know, I'm not doing that well. I'm not able to do that. Uh, you know, kind of this uh, understanding of what that gap feels like but we are we are also border stalkers we stalk the borders of tribal lands and um jesus tells us to go in twos right so we we need to find at least a community at least a small community to be accountable to and and be be hopefully sent out by the church into those yes. border lands yes. and and be able to explore because it is it is the artist types that understand different tribal language and can connect us to you know to bridge the gap and, and but oftentimes the you know the church culture is such that it, it is a very strong tribal culture with high walls so we'll, we don't send anybody outside to scout uh, dangerous areas of culture but you know, it seems like John ten speaks about this good shepherd who takes sheep outside the gate, meaning that he's taking the sheep to to the pastures that are dangerous. They're wolves and there are elements that that will mitigate against your safety. And yet, Jesus says that's where you need to find good grass. So applied that to culture, I I think it is critical as part of the discipleship process to trust artist instinct, to go into the pastures, into the borderlands, and, and discover things there. Now, you can't be isolated. That's dangerous. There are wolves right. out there, and exactly. it, is, it is dangerous. But, but it is a place where good shepherd, even if you get lost, <laughs> even if you're the one that gets lost, uh, have promised to, to be there with us. And, and so we, we need... A, kind of a community discipleship that, that is particularized to those spies, you know, being out sent, 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 sent out and, and, and being able, when they return, they, they do have a responsibility to educate, to share, um, and, and sometimes, you know, invite others uh, to explore these borderlands. I love that. It is both the sending and the bringing back. And what a very cool image for for artists to see to, there's a movement to what you just described um and it's not merely art just to create and to use my imagination though that is beautiful this there's a missional aspect to this is what you're saying um oh boy i could just keep i could keep just 
picking your brain for hours, but we, we want to be a good steward of your time. So let me just, first of all, let me just say thank you for this. This has been so helpful, but we just kind of wrap things up as you, you know, how podcasts go. So we just wrap things up with a few questions. And so we have this way to go award that we talk about, which I always, I keep telling guests, we don't really have a nice, shiny piece of hardware to give someone, but if you wanted to give a shout out to an individual, to an organization, to an artist that is just doing great things in the world right now that we need to know about them. Who would you be nominating for a Way to Go Award? So that's easy. Uh, my bride, Hejin, uh is a co-founder of an incredible organization called Embers International. They literally rescue girls from the red light district of India educate them uh, through Sahasi Embers. And now they are running a double project to educate their mothers so that they don't go back into human trafficking world. Um, I have never experienced such amazing um, grace and potential and hope um, for future um, I was remarried about a year ago with Hejin and we turned our wedding into a fundraiser for Embers and, oh, wow. and, uh, and, and even Martin Scorsese <laughs> endorsed Embers and, and, you know, and we raised $80,000. Now we did not know that that would be absolutely needed in, in, in a COVID shutdown world in which, um, the, People do not have access to food, but because of Embers working over the years to provide help in these unreached areas in red light districts, especially they were able to bring food um, uh, in 72 hours uh, to, to people in need. And they, they served over one, one million uh, meals uh, since that time. And yeah. uh, so, so it's, been, it's an incredible work. Embers International. Okay, we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes too. That is, you're right. That was an easy answer for you. That's, just, <laughs> that's magnificent, that work you're describing. Okay, what's one person or name one person that has made a lasting impact on your life? Right. I, I would also say Hedgen, but <laughs> since it's the same person, I'm going to say my father. My father, okay. uh, remarkable scientist, um, but, but also someone who sat in front of my paintings for hours. He, he, just, he just loved to do that. And um, I, I still remember times when um, he would come into the studio and um, he, he would just sit in front of my paintings and, and, and look at it. Um, and I miss him. Uh, you know, our conversations range from quantum mechanics to <laughs> air conditioners to <laughs> Japanese language, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I think of him often. Uh, it, it is true that um, when someone passes, you discover or maybe re- rediscover a, um, a side of a person that, you know, you certainly took for granted, but you also didn't know before. Mm. My goodness, your answers. Um, okay, here's one. What's one thing you're loving these days? It could be anything. It could be a book. It could be an artist you're listening to, someone, a, a visual artist. It could be something you're watching on Netflix. What's one thing you're loving these days that we should check out? Yeah, I, I've been watching a lot of Korean <laughs> drama on Netflix. And, okay, all right. Uh, Any that you can re- recommend? Or? Yeah, well, since my, my bride is Korean, you know, she, she's a perfect translator, right? But, but we, have, we have so much in common in terms of advocacy. And um, we, we love, you know, whether it be movies or anything, just talk about the overlap between beauty and, and mercy and justice. Um, any any Korean drama is interesting because they highlight the tension between people, competition right. and tension. Squid Games, you know, is the most recent number it one hit on Netflix. Is. It kind of saved Netflix, but 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 it's now, you know, I I think it's 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 very endo. It's very silent. Uh, it, you know, it has it it is violent. So you know, I don't recommend uh, everybody to watch it, but. But it, it, it is stark about the Darwinian reality that we live under. 
um, and and how how love can interject something brand new that it's it's kind of a game changer um, when everybody else is supposed to be doing you know the same thing love breaks through some you know somehow yeah. and changes changes a story what's one way that you're connecting with god these days i continue to connect with god here in the studio i am doing this project on the psalms right now i come into the studio every day um and have been working on one psalm one painting a month the painting is very large 48 by 48 inches so um it it takes about a month to do anyways, but um, I, um, I'm privileged to have Dr. Ellen Davis at Duke, who is a friend of mine, translate the Psalms for me. Perfect person <laughs> so to that do I that. Do oh my project. goodness. One of my fellows, Julia Hendrickson, uh, who is a spoken word artist, as well as a visual artist, she reads the translation. And so I come into the studio, I turn my you know, um, I, um, my iPhone to that recording. And I, that's how I start my days reading, uh, listening to the Psalms read over and over mm. and then painting uh, as a process to begin my day. Oh my, I can't wait to experience <laughs> that. Um, what's, what's one lesson that you wish you could have learned sooner? Oh, well, I wish certainly I had understood um what love is you know the, in in terms of god's love and and but but also you know how that is reflected through human beings and your family and you know and um i feel like I, it took me a long time to escape out of my my shame um and what i grew up with and darkness of of that um and even you know um even depression because you know i've always aspired to be uh a person that you know is is able to transcend the realities of you know our battle zones uh but it, it wasn't really until I fully understood certainly God's love for me, uh, unconditional, um, and God's invitation to create. Um, I, I wish I, you know, it, it, <laughs> you know, it, I, I wrote this book, but I, I wish it had been a um, something that was embraced much earlier in, in the church. Uh, because I struggle sure, yeah. so much as an artist, focus on nurturing what is good, true, and beautiful through the soil of culture to make something new into the world, rather than you know using it as a battle zone. We would accomplish so much more, and the world would be in so much better shape, um, and and the gospel will run wild in in that kind of a community. I love that image. The gospel will run wild. Yes. All right. You, you might have already just answered it, but what's one, what's one way that you're entering into this new era, this this next year with hope? Yeah. Well, I am having another exhibit in December, and um, but also to think about you know what what does it mean to move forward into this new year. Um, God willing, post pandemic, um, that, that may not be the case. I don't know, but but still looking to the future in some way, and um, how do we find resonance um, in in the fractures that we're living in, the, the, all the frustrations that we are under, and yet there is an important opportunity that our time brings us that no other time has had. And so finding resonance in, in the, those frustrating moments or setbacks and, you know, slowdowns is, is I think, the future of, of culture, certainly. And I think artists are already naming those things that we will need moving forward. And um, so my hope is that we can listen to, listen to them. My goodness. 
What a rich conversation. I just want to say thank you again, Mako. What a what a privilege it was to to just sit down and hear your heart and to listen to to you explain so much of your craft. And I know I know there are people that are going to want to just begin to experience your your work and um just thank you for just thank you for what you're doing and thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to a Godzillion and One podcast. Subscribe, share this episode with a friend, and head over to gregholder.com for the show notes. And as always, stop and notice this week the shockingly and seemingly endless ways to connect with each other, this world, and the God who made it all. We'll see you next time.